Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. Good morning on this beautiful, beautiful not only day, but weekend in the Rocky Mountains. You know, we've had a lot of those afternoon storms rumbling through the last few weeks, and uh, some of them pretty violent. It makes you hesitate sometimes, like to take a boat out or something late in the day. You want to get things done early, but the forecast looks like we're going to have like maybe three to five days of not having that and just have beautiful weather, high 80s, and then nice evenings, and you know, not the storm. So it looks like it's going to be a great day, a great weekend to be outdoors in Colorado, and we're going to get you up to speed on what to do when you do get out there. We're going to talk a lot of fishing today. We are going to talk some upland upland bird hunting a little bit. I got an update from uh, uh, Ed Gorman, the biologist, who is just a wealth of information. I'm going to share that later on in the show, what he said, what it looks like we're headed into, and we really won't know till fall, but we're going to give you a kind of a prognosis. Uh, we are going to talk a little bit of uh, getting ready for hunting later in the show, and Nate, I think, is going to update us on his sheep hunt, which we're trying to keep track of, and I believe he's got a carp tournament today, and we're going to talk a lot of fishing. Uh, just a lot going on. One programming note I do want to let you know, speaking of hunting, on uh, the 25th of this month, we're going to have a show that's really going to focus on waterfall. Sometimes I think we don't cover waterfall enough. We do spurts. So we're going to take, I would say, that the majority of the show, the 25th. Now, we'll still do some fishing and talk some other hunting, but we're going to have several major guests from the waterfall industry. We're going to try to really put some focus on it. So you might want to you might want to tune in for that. And speaking of fishing right now, let's go right to the phones. And one of our favorite fishermen, Mr. Bernie Keefe. Good morning, Bernie. Good morning, Terry. How are you? I'm doing well. Is it as beautiful up in the Granby area as it is down here in Denver today? Oh, it's even nicer. Probably, because you'll be a little cooler. You won't be cold, but you'll be Really, this is a. We're starting to get more and more into the best time to be up in the mountains, here, Bernie. Oh, it's incredible. We've had some mornings down. We had 32 in July. That I wasn't very comfortable with. But we're waking up to 36, 37 degrees. We're getting up to maybe in the low 80s during the day, which is pretty hot for us. But anybody coming up here sure likes it. Oh, it's beautiful up there. And, you know, the the cool evenings are going to bring the water temperatures down in these rivers a little bit. We're going to address that more later in the show. But I'm sure some of those rivers, even not that far from you this year, got a little warm, didn't they? Oh, they did. We weren't fishing them at all this year. Once it started getting warm, I just kind of stood away from them because the fish don't need that kind of stress. No, and we're going to talk later on about like going up into the park and fishing down. We're going to talk to the guys down in the Arkansas where they have that controlled flow, which is about to end, but I think we made it through the worst of the season down there. So there are some great options. We'll cover those later, but there's a lot of great options to fish right where you are right now, and most of it's by the lakes. What is going on up there? Well, you know, if you start, let's go to Wolford first. The kokanee bite is really good. Either trolling. We were out there last week with lead core and downriggers and doing really well. The fish are going to be moving a little bit deeper, so that spoon bite should really kick on. Um, in the next couple of weeks, it should be really good slabbing for them. Rainbows down there are fishing well. Coming up the hill, Williams Fork, the Lakers are fishing well. 
the pike, they're getting a few very large pike out of there, not a lot, but just if you cook one, it seems to be just a complete monster. And then the rainbows are fishing okay in the evening there. Kokanee fishing's real tough out there. Coming back up further, you got Willow Creek, rainbow fishing's fair to good on along the shores in the evening. Everything seems to be like an early morning, evening bite. And the big thing you're looking for if you're walking the shoreline for rainbows is look for the risers. Once you see them, get a little spoon and cast it to them. And if you hit that rise when it's still small and real fast, you'll catch that fish that was rising. It's pretty fun to do. So that's fishing well there. Grand Lake is fishing well for lake trout and rainbows. Granby's fishing very well for lake trout right now. We're getting some big ones out of there as well as the guys shooting for numbers are doing pretty good. But you know what's the real fun thing to go do is get up into the high lakes right now and fish either a fly in a bubble or a little spoon in the evening. Meadow Creek has tiger trout, brook trout, rainbows, and you can get the trifecta up there five, six times over in an evening. Um, Monarch has some nice brookies in it. We got some up to 14 inches last week, so that was pretty fun. So, you know, you just get out and go fish. There's some good opportunities right now. And the high mountain lakes, is, if you're walking the bank, in my opinion, is where it's at. You know, and that, that bite, you know, that weather is going to change up there when it's not going to be that long. Now's the time to take advantage of that. And we're going to talk about Rocky Mountain National Park, too, later in the show. But those high mountain lakes, like you mentioned, in your area, and you're the brook trout. I think people just don't give enough credit to how much fun it is to go up and catch those brook trout. I mean, it's wonderful to catch a beautiful cutthroat or even a rainbow up up high. You don't get too many browns up there. But the brook trout, we just had this discussion earlier this week uh, with somebody that the brook trout are just such willing biters that it's just so much fun. And they're prolific enough that if you want to keep a couple for the pan, and it's just an incredible experience, Bernie. No, it is. It's it's so much fun, especially if you're up there on these on these high lakes in the evening or early in the morning and watching it just get lighter or watching it get dark. It is so beautiful, and then you get you get just beautiful, and you catching fish. What more can you ask for? And those brook trout tend not to be real picky. You can catch them just a lot of ways. And right now, like you mentioned, a fly in a bubble. I'll tell you right now, a fly and a hopper. I mean, a bubble and a hopper. And maybe a dropper below that. But right now the hoppers are out, and you could probably go up there. And, and to see those little brook trout attack that hopper is just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> they, they they think they're pretty big at times. <laughs> oh, they do. You had a little pocket water. It's just so much fun. And every now and then you get a, a good-sized one, and we're starting to get towards fall. And those males are going to start taking on the colors. I don't think there's a more beautiful fish than a fall brook trout, a male. Those it looks like somebody hand painted it. Oh, they're they're just absolutely gorgeous. If, if you go looking in the creeks, you can see the larger ones. You can catch them and get a really good picture with them, and they're just they're beautiful fish. Oh, they really are. You mentioned the lake trout at Granby are doing pretty well now. We're going to be we're a couple months, maybe a, yeah, a couple months at least away from really getting into. Um, about a couple months into that numbers bite when they move into spawn. But you said people that focus on the numbers are still finding them. Let's start with them. Then I want to talk about the big fish because you're so good at that. When people go up for those small fish, what kind of depths do you think they should start looking and what presentation would you use? You know, a lot of them are being caught in that 80 to 100 foot stuff. And a lot of guys are either anchoring their boat or spot locking it and they're using three-eighths ounce flatheads, maybe half ounce. 
and then just small like power twister tails power bait twister tails um we did good one day on gulp minnows out there we didn't catch a lot of fish we didn't fish for them very much but we got dinner and we were using just three inch gulp minnows that kind of stuff and if yeah if you're not using gulp tip it with a little piece of sucker meat and oh. then you know look for the fish coming through on the graph they'll be coming through suspended and then just fish right above them and they'll hit it it's really it's pretty simple it's probably too simple for people to comprehend it. Yeah, it's really easy. You know what? You mentioned spot lock. And before we go on to the big fish, has that revolutionized our fishing or what? I used to think that was my biggest secret that I had was boat control. Now everybody has it. You know, it's amazing. <laughs> like you and I, yeah, you and I spent the early years of our fishing, mine much earlier than yours. You had your foot on that motor and you had either a a, a marker buoy out or you had a marker on your GPS and you had to hold the boat on it, and as you got blown off, you'd have to keep bringing yourself back over it and try to maintain it still enough so you could work a jig because you're talking fish right now, like you said, 80 to 100 feet. Uh, if you're moving around too much, you can't keep contact with that or keep it down where the fish are. With spot lock, it's become so amazing because now you can walk around the boat, and like I take my grandkids out, I put the spot lock on, I can go help them land fish, I can help rehook, rebait, and I imagine as a guide, it just is just a godsend. Oh, I can pour my coffee, eat bananas, eat Twinkies. I can, I can have a, I can have a full thorough thorough day out there. You know, you're not supposed to have bananas on the boat. You know that. You know, that's your rules. My rules are no new clothes. <laughs> you know, that's an old fisherman's. I've never believed in that, the banana thing anyway, but that's an old superstition. Let's talk about the big fish a little bit. I know that, you know, and I, I know both, that I used to target some big fish up at Grandy, Granby before you and I knew each other, and but I would do it specifically at certain times of the year, and then I'd go fish other fish in the summer. I wouldn't target them in the summer at all because in my head they were just virtually uncatchable, but you certainly have proved me wrong. Just kind of go over some of the big fish you caught in the last week. Uh, we've gotten two 40-inchers, a 39, a couple 38s. We're probably getting a three footer about every day we go out almost. So it's been good. It's been it's been good. You have to work hard for it. You're only getting maybe six to ten bites a day, but the bites you're getting are serious quality fish. Well, and that's that's the thing that a lot of people have to realize. And it's not just lake trout, lake trout, walleyes, um, almost any species. If you're catching a bunch of small fish, it isn't that you got to keep catching them and the next one will be a big one. The big ones have different habits, and sometimes they can't be around the small fish or the small fish will leave because they become dinner anyway. And you have to take different tactics and different approaches, kind of give people the idea how you really hunt for big fish. You know, I'm a structure freak. I just, I'm always looking over structure, and I'm looking and I'm looking and looking. And I think one of the biggest things I've noticed this summer is if you think fish should be there, Keep checking it because they might show up. I mean, they, I have a lot of humps where they're not there in the morning or they're not there in the afternoon, but they are there at some time. And if you are out fishing and you look at a, you see fish at 10 o'clock in the morning on this hump and you come back tomorrow at eight and they're not there, get back at 10, they'll be there. That's kind of, that's been the biggest thing I've caught on to. And that's been for quite a few years now, but it's really been prevalent this year. If, uh, 
what difference do you make in your presentation? Obviously, you probably upsize your presentation and approach these big fish different because they're looking for a little bigger meal. What, how, what do you change presentation-wise? The biggest thing presentation-wise is when you get in them bigger fish right now, you are, if you're lucky, you're going to have one opportunity per group. So you got to focus. You got to focus on it, focus on it, and focus on it. And if you're fishing above the fish, you, you have to be real careful with that presentation not to do something that they don't like, whatever that might be. And if you're fishing below them, it's the same thing. Like you can't, if you get a fish down there looking at you, you can't just jerk it up three feet in the air. Um, you you got to be consistent with your presentation. And like I said, you're going to get one opportunity on each group of big fish and that opportunity will make or break your day some days. Well, the best way to learn to fish big fish and to locate them and fish these minimal bites is to hire a guide like you guys up there. And it can also be a frustrating experience for a customer because it's hard for the guide to book a trip and set the expectation right because you can tell them, we can go catch small fish and we'll go for numbers, or we can chase big fish, but you're only going to get a few chances and you may not get a fish. And that's kind of like steelhead fishing in the Northwest or salmon, king salmon fishing in Alaska. You fish for a few bites, but boy, when you get one, it doesn't mean you've got a fish either because you've got to handle everything right. Do you find that as a guide sometimes difficult to get that mindset in people? Well, when you talk to me about the trip, the one question I, I will ask everybody on the phone is, are you willing to zero today? Because you have to be willing to not catch anything to have a shot at a big fish. Um, and if people think about it and they say, yes, we are, okay, then it's good. Then I just sit there and my big thing in the boat is I, I focus, I pay attention. It doesn't look like it half the time, but I pay attention um, and I really focus on the presentation, whatever it's taking to get bit that day. And I'll, I'll just watch them rod tips and I'll, I'll lecture and I'll lecture and I'll lecture and I will not let anybody deviate from whatever that program is. And then when we get the bites and they see it's real, then it's a lot easier to get people to focus on it. Before I get your contact information for everybody, Bernie, um, for people that don't want a guide trip, they just want to come up to the Granby area in the next two, three days, we've got this great weather. Uh, where, what, where, would they, where would be the best couple places to start? I know you named a bunch of bites. Where would you definitely think they have the best chance just to catch fish? Well, you want to just go catch fish and you have a boat, I would say Wolford would be a great one. That kokanee bite is just fantastic right now. The other one, if you don't have a boat, or if you don't have a boat, the high mountain lakes for brookies, tiger trout, and rain <coughs> excuse me, rainbows is real good. If you want to chase lake trout, Williams Fork and Granby probably have the best numbers bites. And Williams Fork, if, you, if Williams Fork's a little tougher, but if you get it figured out, it's real good for numbers. Um, if not, Granby's just consistently, you should be able to go consistently catch a few fish out there. All right. Bernie, if people want to book a guide trip or just want more information, how do they find you? Look me up on Facebook, Fishing with Bernie, Instagram, Fishing with Bernie. Um, yeah, those are the best ways. Our website's fishingwithbernie.com. All you got to remember is Fishing with Bernie. <laughs> All right. Well, I remember it. In fact, if you go to my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, there's a couple of shows with Bernie, Ice Fishing and Open Water, and you'll see what a fun time you can have with him if you go watch those shows on my YouTube channel. Bernie, we got to run, but thank you so much. As always, you and I have to get on the water again soon. 
Give me a call, Terry. We'll make it happen. You guys have a safe weekend. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thank you, Bernie. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Sandy Clef here to tell you about SCL Mortgage, special circumstance lending, locally owned and operated. And if you're self-employed or work on commission, this is the place for you. Bank statement loans are back. You don't need tax returns to do your loan. In some cases, the bank statement loans can be done with credit scores in the low 600s. MySpecialMortgage.com on the web, 303-790-2222. The phone number, SCL Mortgage, licensed by the Colorado Department of Regulatory Agencies, number 120. 00716. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by SunPower Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. And by the way, we're having a contest. Sun is going to have one uh, giveaway to one lucky winner, a trip for two ice fishing with Nate Zielinski and me this upcoming season. But their entry deadline is September 1st. That's right, the end of this month. So you have to go to 1043thefan.com and then click on my page and you'll find uh, a link that'll take you to the entry page. You can also stop by Sun Power Sports and do a handwritten entry, but you've only got till September 1st to do it. And just a day on the ice with Mr. Nate Zielinski and I could be pretty educational and I'll guarantee it'll be a lot of fun. Let's go to the phones right now. And joining us from Cheyenne Mountain State Park is Jason Hagen. Good morning, Jason. Good morning, Terry. It's uh, it's got to be a gorgeous day where you're at right now. Oh yeah, it's it's beautiful out. You know, we had a few of those evening storms roll through the last few weeks, but the next few days are not supposed to be like that. And you guys have got some elevation in your park, and you've got you can get you got trails. You can get away from the heat a little bit. Tell describe the park and tell people where it's located. Uh, yeah, so Shine Mountain State Park um, is on kind of the southwest corner of Colorado Springs, right across the street from Fort Carson. Um, and we have a small, smaller campground, about 61 sites. Uh, Ten of those are tent sites, and the rest of them are full hookups. Um, about 22 miles right now of hiking, mountain biking, trails. Um, we have a equestrian use there, uh, and then we also have a really, really nice archery range, um, two archery ranges, actually. One's a static range, and then we have a 3D field range as well. Now, I want to, before we move on, you've got an activity coming up that we want to cover. But before we move on, uh, Nate Zielinski, who does a lot of our hunting uh, education and updates, and I have talked about this many times, that having that archery range, first of all, you should never be just getting ready for hunting. You should be staying ready for hunting. And that means shooting on a regular basis, whether it's archery or firearm, so that you stay comfortable and you're going to make good ethical shots and understand your limits. And a static range is wonderful, especially if you're working out an arrow or something and you're just trying to make some changes or sharpen your point, look at your pins. But the 3D is the one that really gets you ready for hunting because enough people don't practice that odd shot, that odd angle, that 3D presentation that the arrow hits maybe in a little different place than you think. And you just get those hunting-type situations, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we have uh, 28 stations, and they each have a different 3D target out there. Um, And it's all on the side of a hill. So, yeah, you're dealing with elevation changes. you know, vegetation that might be in the way and trying to find that right shot. And, you know, what you mentioned about elevation changes, shooting up and shooting down really changed the trajectory of your arrow. And a lot of people just don't practice enough in those situations. 
Right. Yeah, you're exactly right. And this is one of the few places that you can go and practice those kind of shots. Um, like I said, you're looking at anywhere from 20 to 50 yard shots up and down hills. So um, it's it's really a unique place to go if you're into archery or if you're an archer. Oh, and I think that 3D, I mean, this, both ranges are phenomenal. And I think that the fact that they're available, I think there's an extra permit to use the 3D range. Is that right? Right, yeah. So it's just a $3 um, 3D field permit um, per person out there. And we do have an annual pass for people, too, if they come out a lot, $30 for a year. All right. Now, in addition to that, you have an event. By the way, you're the only park that's near a NORAD base, too. So <laughs> right. yeah. people, can you see the doors? I Probably not from the park, but. Um, not yet. So we're about to open um, the Dixon Trail, which we've been working on for years now. And actually, if you go to the top of the mountain, which is where this trail goes, um, you'll actually be able to look down on the NORAD gate, which will be pretty cool. Oh, that'll be awesome. Now, you have an yeah. event coming up, and I love this event. You do some things like this every year, and they're really designed to just make fun events to get people outdoors and expose them to some outdoor activities, and I believe you call it Adventure Day, and that's next weekend. Tell me about that event. Yeah, so it's next weekend, uh, August 18th. Uh, starts at 9, goes to about 1, 1.30. Um, but we'll have stations kind of scattered throughout the park, so people will either hike or drive to a few of them. Um, but we'll have tomahawk throwing, archery station. Um, we'll have a trailer out there where you can shoot an actual 22 rifle, um, <clears throat> along with some other stuff, fishing, and all kinds of stuff out there. So it will have seven different stations that people can do. Um, once you complete the station, then you get a free raffle ticket that you can use and win some really cool prizes. So you get a stamp when you go to each station, and if you do all seven of them, you get an entry into the raffle. And you mentioned a couple of things I want to bring up. First, you really don't have fishing on the park, but you set up fishing to teach people fundamentals. Is that right? Right. Yep. So it's kind of a game. Uh, there's no water or anything involved, but uh, yeah, it's a, a fishing game to kind of teach people how to cast. And then as far as the shooting, having that 22 set up, um, there's a lot of people who might like to start shooting and they're always a little hesitant. Here's a very safe, controlled environment with uh, small caliber arms uh, that really give you a chance to just shoot a little bit and really enjoy and understand if maybe shooting is something for you. And that's, I think that's great when you guys do that too. Now, are there any extra charges for this event? Uh, nope, it's just the standard $7 park pass um, for anybody, any vehicle, per vehicle that comes in. Um, and it is August, too, so all state parks are free for military in the month of August. So if you're military, it's completely free. That's awesome. That's right. So yeah. it's next weekend. What are the hours? Uh, it starts at 9, um, and the stations are open till 1, and then we'll do the drawing about 1.30-ish. All right. Sounds like a great event. I imagine there's information on your Facebook and your website, right? That's totally correct, yep. All right, Jason, thank you so much. Sounds like a great reason to get outdoors, explore the park, find out what it's all about, have some fun, and maybe learn a few things. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be a good time. All right, thanks, Jason. Thank you. Jason Hagen from uh, Cheyenne Mountain State Park. Uh, after this next break, we're going to talk some fly fishing with the guys down in the Arkansas River and some water flows and get up to date on that that recreation area and the, what's happening on the river on 104.3 Fan. Terry Wicks from Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We'll get it right. You're listening to Terry Wicks from Outdoors presented in part 
by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We're going right to the phones, and we're headed down to the Arkansas Headwaters Recreational Area, where we're joined by Glenn Cotoni from Parks and Wildlife and Andrew Maddox from the Salida Fly. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning, Terry. Morning, Terry. Yeah, uh, you know what? I think statewide it's beautiful because I looked at the map and I can't find a place today that wouldn't be fun to be in Colorado. Same thing down there? Yeah, it's a beautiful day out here today. Uh, Glenn, why don't you, I know we've done this many times, but there's always new listeners. Why don't you tell people where the Arkansas Headwaters uh, Recreation Area is located and how it's set up? Because it's different than some of the other facilities in the state. Yeah, we're a state park that runs along the Arkansas River, kind of generally between Lake Giz- or between uh, Leadville and Lake Pueblo. So we're a 150-mile-long, skinny state park. We've got seven different campgrounds along the river and probably 25 or 30 different uh, public river accesses that are controlled by the state park with boat ramps and picnic areas and such like that. Well, I think one of the great things about having a state park recreation area on a stretch of river like that is, number one, you've got um, you've got the camping so people can stay right there. But then the public access, you know, the number one, number two, two of the two top reasons people don't get out into the outdoors. One is they, they don't understand how and they we try to teach them that. But the biggest reason is they have trouble finding access and having access to one of the you know most famous rafting rivers and an incredible fly fishing resource because of that public access is is truly a a great great time glenn do you have camping year-round there oh yeah we have camping year-round and we're one of i think the only state parks that has a lot of free dispersed camping along the river also so you can pay to go into a developed campground or if you just want to set up for free we've got areas for that also that sounds just awesome and uh one of the things, and I'll let you guys decide who wants to address this, it's been a crazy year this year. We The snowpack in a lot of areas wasn't what it should be. A lot of rivers, we've been advising people not to fish them, especially late in the day. And uh, it's affected the fisheries and the flows for drifting, too. Now, you guys have a... Um, you have a negotiated flow control there, but I think that's about to run out. Can you bring me, you guys bring me up to speed on how that's held up this summer and what we're looking at in the next few weeks? Uh, sure, yeah, the, the voluntary flow management program has been in operation for about 25 years, and it's a cooperative agreement between local, state, and federal organizations. Uh, some of the organizations involved are the Southeast Colorado Water Conservancy District, and they uh, control all the imports coming in from the western slope, and they uh, commit up to 10,000 acre feet of water to this program for the Arkansas River. Uh, the Bureau of Recre- Reclamation, they, they operate all the dams to control the flows, and uh, Parks and Wildlife, uh, well, our state park is the, the rec manager for the river, and the local Wildlife guys are the fishery managers, and they they optimize flows uh, to keep the fish healthy. And has that been successful? You've been able to maintain that during this year? Oh Yeah, we sure have. And uh, the voluntary flow program tries to do three different things. They try to optimize whitewater boating flows till the middle of August. 
they tried to lower the flow in the fall and the spring to help the spawning. And then the other thing that's come into play this year is they kicked in additional water, not so much for the rafting, but to keep the river cooler to keep the fish uh, healthier. And okay. that has been a, a that's been a big uh, big benefit this year already. Andrew, how have you seen that affect the fishing? We'll get into what's happening now, and we'll go forward. I want to get in depth in that, but has it has that really helped the health of the fish and allowed them to maintain a, a, a good fishery that's been very active? Yeah, it definitely has. Um, the the little bit extra water that we've been able to put in has kept the river cool enough um, that we haven't had to go into any sort of advisories. You know, um, the the fish are definitely more active in the mornings when the water temperature is a little bit cooler. Um, but we've been able to fish um, fish all day long and not see any uh, negative impacts on the fish. And yeah. um, we're starting to get a little bit cooler nights. Um, and right as this that water, that supplemental flow is going to run out on the 15th next week, um, our nights are getting cooler, and that's going to start dropping down our uh, our river temperatures, and our, our fish are going to do just fine. They're, they are eating really well right now and growing growing big. Now, you do a lot of float fishing there, but I want to talk about the river from both a float fishing and somebody coming for a walk wade. Let's address float fishing. I assume since there's been enough water, you've been able to float. Is that going to continue? Yeah, it is. Um, We're going to make a little bit of modifications here and there, depending on how low our native flows do get in the next couple weeks. But we're going to continue to get out there in the boats and and keep on floating because just the amount of water we can access from a boat is... uh, is really great. Yeah, I think somebody who's never done a float trip, and I don't mean having to shoot the rapids, but I mean just to get, first of all, on low flows, the presentations you can make from the boat sometimes. Sometimes you can go adrift that last yards because the boat's at such a nice pace, and you're doing your floating right with uh, the flies, and they're not very far from the boat. But uh, you're right. It also allows you to hold the boat and get some access to holes that maybe don't get fished quite as often because the walkwade people can't quite get to them. How has the fishery been? Now, it's famous for being a brown trout fishery, but the rainbows, too, have been uh, been supplementing quite a bit. What have you been seeing up to now, Andrew? Yeah, the you know, the, the rainbows, they can be really aggressive, and, and they like to eat more. They're not as picky sometimes as the browns. And here, here lately, it's been... It's been great. I've been we've been catching some days more uh, more rainbows out of the river than browns, which is not not the norm. But uh, but it's it's been a lot of fun, and a lot of those rainbows that you catch they grow really fast. And we've been catching some really nice rainbows lately. And before we get into maybe some presentations and things, how have the size of the fish been? And my experience in the past is when the flows are down a little bit, we see some growth. You may not see it all. Uh, show up this year, but I would think end of this year and into next year, these lower flows are going to mean heavier fish. But how has the size been, and what do you, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, the, the fish are, are as, as big as I've ever seen them here on the Arkansas, and I've been fishing it for over 20 years, um, and they just continue to grow. These low flow years, um, the fish don't have to work very hard. The food is plentiful, and they just put on weight and inches um, and, and do really well. And so um, we're seeing bigger fish now than, than we have in a, in a couple years, and we're going to continue to see that because we're going to have some nice low flows, and these fish are going to be able to, to eat well and, and, uh, and, and do well through the, through the winter. So 
Um, it's looking really good here on the Arkansas River. Well, let's talk now. If somebody's coming up, say, to book a trip with you or if they're going to float with their own boat or raft or even a kayak, what's, uh, what, how would you approach it from a boat and what kind of presentations would you be looking at? Um, r- right now, just about anything is working. Um, whatever your favorite method is, um, the hopper-dropper action has been great. Um, you've got to be really good with your presentation and make that, um, make that bug come alive for those fish because because the water's been pretty clear and they they get a good look at it so you got to make them want to eat it so um the hopper droppers have been great the double dries have been working um and the guys that like to come out and run nymph rigs in the deep water the fish are down deep too um and uh we've been having some good success on streamers so um it's kind of kind of a whatever you want to throw is going to work as long as you're you're uh you're doing it with a, a little bit of finesse. So, you know, I want to kind of uh, go back to something you said too about the the um, hoppers and the streamers both. And a lot of fly fishermen, I find this, they don't like to fish still water a lot, like lakes, because they like the river to position the fish and and make their presentation. But when you're fishing big terrestrials or when you're fishing streamers, you really do. You're not looking for that dead drift because that's not how they they behave you are looking to put some action and and make it a little lifelike and to kind of visualize what that bug would do aren't you or a minnow if it's a streamer yeah absolutely giving it a little action and 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 having that dropper land right next to the bank just like one would fall out of the the grass and then when that hopper hits the hits the water instead of land it it wiggles you know and so it's it's moving and kicking and and so if if you're hopper just lands on on the water and sits there those those fish know it's, it's not the real deal so uh giving it a quick mend as soon as it hits the water makes it kind of skitter a little bit and dance there and that's that's when those fish light up and will just just go after that hopper well i think i told you when you and i were talking earlier in the week that i love hopper dropper mainly because uh, although you have to make a nice presentation, it doesn't necessarily have to gently lay on the water because those hoppers kind of plop in, which helps my casting ability. And the other thing is with my eyesight, I can see that. Now, are you seeing more browns hit the hopper, more rainbows? And what percentage hit the hopper versus the dropper? And what dropper do you recommend? You know, um, we're pro- depends on where you're fishing. Uh, those browns like to they hang up tight close to the banks. Um, and so a lot of times when we're making that presentation in that slower water tied up into the banks, we're going to pick up more browns, uh, when we move, cause we'll, we'll run drifts when we're coming through some of the, the riffles and, uh, we'll, we'll run that dropper bead down through that fast water and, and we'll pick up more rainbows there. They, the rainbows really like to, to, they concentrate in a little bit faster water a lot of times. So, um, you know, you, you, it's the great thing about a hopper dropper is you can fish it right up next to the bank and hopes for that that hit on the top water, and then run that dropper through some of those riffles and runs as you come up to them and 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 pick up some other fish. So um, it's a it's a great combination uh, rig to throw to to be able to fish multiple places as you're floating down. Um, and my my go-to on that that dropper fly a lot of times um, is a, a flashback tungsten bead-headed hare's ear and. Uh, it looks like it, it represents a lot of different bugs out there. It gets down deep and has a little flash to it, and, and those fish love to eat it. All right, last question, then we've got to run. Uh, if you're walk wading, fishing from the bank, similar presentations? 
Yeah, um, the a lot of the the weight fishermen right now are um, they're finding some of those deeper runs and, and runouts and, and fishing, um, staying fair, real stationary and fishing kind of a, a deep run with with a nymph rig, and that's that's been really productive for guys lately. So running um, like um, you know a, a bead headed hare's ear up front and putting a, a pheasant tail behind it, um, and and fishing that about as deep as your leader can go with a little bit of weight and you're picking up those fish that are hanging deep on the bottom looking for that cooler water and uh and there's guys that are doing really well with that and last thing andrew if people wanted to book a trip with you how would they get a hold of you yeah the best way uh to check out what slide fly has to offer is to look us up on the web slideofly.com or uh you can find us on instagram and facebook um at slideofly all right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Glenn. You know, Arkansas River is not only famous for rafting, but it's one of the, by far, one of the best fisheries in the United States. And it's just a great resource to have right here in our state. And hopefully a lot of people will take advantage of it. And I hope a lot of them will go to Salida Fly and get a hold of you, Andrew. Even if it's just for information, I'm sure you'll help them out. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, thanks guys. All right, you guys have a good rest of the day. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. And speaking of Sun Power Sports, I mentioned this earlier, but we're running out of time. We have a contest going on where Sun loves the outdoors. They're big-time fishermen, hunters. And they love ice fishing. So they said, what could we do to really promote ice fishing here? I said, well, they said, can we give away a trip with you, me, Terry Wickstrom, and Nate Zielinski? And I said, well, sure, we'll do that. So we worked out the arrangements. So what we're doing is one lucky winner is going to win a trip for two that we'll work out the schedule with you. We're hoping to do it like about mid-December. And Nate will pick out the lake, and he'll do the scouting. And then the guys from Sun and myself and Nate will join the two lucky winners on the ice. And we're going to supply lunch. But the great thing is, whether you're an avid, experienced ice fisherman or whether you've never ice fished before, you're not going to need any gear. And we're going to be giving tips throughout the day and helping and sharing information. This will be a virtual school on ice fishing that you couldn't get any other way. I mean, I'm an original member of the ice team. Dave Gens and I go back where his wife hand-sewed my first fish trap. I've been ice fishing for over 50 years. Nate is one of the most prominent ice fishing guides in the state of Colorado. So we have a lot of information to share, and we'll have a lot of fun. Even if you're not looking for the information, you just want to go catch some fish, Pretty sure we're going to make that happen. Now, nobody guarantees fish, but I'd be really surprised if we don't catch some fish and really have a good time. The boys from uh, Sun Power Sports are going to join us, and we are going to... um we're going to bring some of the ATVs out as long as the ice is thick enough and it's safe. And some of the on tracks, you get to see some of the new units, and that'll be a lot of fun too. And I believe the station is providing lunch, so we're going to just have a great time with this. It's just going to be fun. You'll need warm clothing, but that's about all you'll need. The problem right now is that registration to be in this drawing ends September 1st. That's only like three weeks away, right? So you need to register now, and there's two or three ways you can do it. 
One is you can go to Sun Power Sports, which is at 87th and Pearl. You know, it's 88th and Washington is their actual address. But you want to go up Pearl Street, take 84th Avenue, go to Pearl Street, go go east, go to Pearl Street, go north. You'll come up to a two-acre, a five-acre campus with two big buildings and a track out there. And it's just an unbelievable inventory of ATVs and motorcycles. But go in and ask where you register, and they'll have a box there where you can fill out the form and register. The other way you can register is to go to 1043thefan.com, click on the menu, and then after you've gone to the menu, uh, click on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, and my page will have a, a click on where you can enter. But you got to do it before September 1st because we're, we're going to draw sometime in September, I believe, so we can start arranging schedules. So you got to register. And if you were following us on Facebook, you should always follow Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook because uh, that's what you know what's going on in the show. You'd know about the contest. In fact, we're going to repost information about the contest in just the next couple of days. Sun's Facebook page is going to have inter- information about it. But also on our Facebook page, you would know that in a couple of weeks, we're going to post that we're having a waterfall day here on the show where we're going to really focus on either beginning or advanced techniques for waterfall hunting. You know when we have special guests, there's always a link to my column in the Denver Post. There's links to important podcasts and tackle talks. So follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. We also post every time we add something to our YouTube channel to um, the Facebook page on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. So you really want to follow us. You'll know what's going on in the show. You'll know about our content. We're going to do another trivia pretty soon where Karen will post the answer to a trivia question on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. It's our 20 years of Terry Wickstrom uh, on the radio trivia. And then we'll give away like a 90-some dollar gift certificate for Honey Smoked Salmon. So you need to follow that too. So Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook is the focal point. Follow it. Make sure you get involved with the show. You're up to date on some of the special events we have coming. Now, I promised you I'd update you a little bit on the Upland Games situation. I got to spend some time on the phone this week with uh, Ed Ed Gorman, who's the biologist out east for the Upland game. And it's really pretty early to make a prediction. And Ed usually comes on in October, and he will this year too, to update us because they haven't been able to scout because the birds haven't dispersed yet. But he did tell me, uh, first I asked him, I said, well, dove season is close. What do you think about the doves? He said there is a ton of doves in northeastern Colorado. However, doves can be pretty fickle, he reminded me, in that we get a couple of those cool nights, and all of a sudden they migrate down to the south more. So right now, if we don't get any cold, cold weather, the dove season, which starts in just a couple weeks, looks phenomenal. Lots of birds. The pheasant and quail were a little more holding our breath. We're optimistic that there's going to be some really good areas that didn't get hit. We had a combination of dry weather in the spring that we didn't get as much nesting habitat and then hailstorms that damaged some nesting. They're going to affect the pheasant population. You know, we're coming off two incredible years, so there's going to have some effect. The other side of that, though, is that Ed told me there has been more, uh, they saw more adult rooster holdovers this year than they've ever seen. So there's a lot of holdover birds, which bodes well for you know, renesting for repopulating and things like that. So we're cautiously optimistic that we may not have the season we had the last couple of years, but, and there's going to be some areas that are going to be tough. 
but we're also optimistic there's going to be some very good areas for both pheasants and quail, especially pheasants this year. Now, last year for quail was phenomenal. Southeast got hit a little harder than the northeast as far as the drought, so we got to see all those quail come out. Really won't know till October because what happens, a lot of people scout upland game too early, and what happens is you get into about the middle of October and the pheasants start to disperse. And you don't, then you can start to see how many there are. You hear more clucking and where they're located. So that's what you have to kind of watch for in Upland Game. We'll get Ed back on again in about the middle of October, and we'll talk about what he's seeing on his scouting and help you get started with yours. We're, we're cautiously optimistic it's going to be an okay Upland Game season in Colorado, but there are some mitigating factors. But right now, if we don't get some cold nights, boy, if you don't hunt doves, uh, and by the way, if you read my article in the Denver Post a couple weeks ago, I said that doves are a conspiracy by the ammunition manufacturers just to sell sell more ammunition if you've ever tried to hit a dove. But f- fantastic. And by the way, when we get to Colorado Clays later, they're going to talk about practicing both for big game and the upland game uh, seasons. We'll take a time out. When we come back, Nate Stolinski will join us on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.